You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 559, never mind the accuracy, it's the Sex Pistols. The full horror of our football predictions is exposed and breaking up with the theatre and gigs. That's all coming up after Buzzcocks and Harmony in My Head. last hit single in a splendid but short run that lasted little over a year in 1978 to 79 generally the hit singles featured vocals by pete shelley but this was written and sung by guitarist steve diggle number 32 in the uk in the summer of 79 buzzcocks and harmony in my head always nice to hear from the buzzcocks a very, a very bracing way to reintroduce <laughs> us into the wild i think city Welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 559. I'm Terence Stackham and I've heard that she's not long back. She's been on a luxury cruise <laughs> to an exotic location. It's Juliet Harris. Hello. Thank you for welcoming me back. Well, yes, I've been Caribbean. I've been narrow boating around the Midlands, but thank oh. you for undermining oh. my holiday. I appreciate oh, it. No, we had a very nice time. We did not take up the chance to go around Cadbury World, despite mooring near there. We bought mm. essential supplies from the shop. But however, at, at how, how much do you think an adult ticket is to go around the factory at Cadbury World, Terence? Ten quid. More. Fifteen quid. More. No, this is getting silly. Twenty. £21 for an adult. I know. We decided. Just to go around a chocolate factory. Essentially, yes. There was some talk of free samples. Indeed. So we did. We went round. We we bought some reasonably priced chocolate in the factory shop instead. And I very much enjoyed buying a cream egg pen, which I'm now signing official documents with at work. But anyway, enough of my holiday. Hi, everyone. Occasionally you see as graffiti around London, sometimes there's a slogan on T-shirts worn by 
elderly men. The phrase "punk's <laughs> not dead," which <laughs> I see as a real—such a burn. I always see it as a rather a baleful hope rather than a statement of fact. All speculation for me, at least, was put to bed this week when I saw the official Sex Pistols website <laughs> offering <laughs> NFT merchandise, non-fungible yes. tokens uh, for the Sex Pistols, alongside the pretty vacant T-shirt for £70 and a God Save the Queen screen print signed by Jamie Reed, £990. <sighs> Punk is dead, I'm afraid. Yes. Um, after a short legal battle with John Lydon, um, which Lydon lost, Danny Boyle and Craig Pierce have constructed a six-part mini-series called Pistol, based upon the memories of Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones. And in the UK, it's currently available on Disney Plus of all channels. Yes, quite. We've been watching the first episode called The Cloak of Invisibility. Um, Jules, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Oh, very good. Um, so so I, I watched this... I, I, I remember, I think we might have discussed at the time that the battles over whether or not they could get the original music, although actually mm. that didn't really matter for most of the first episode because it was very much the sort of the origin story, wasn't it? But yes. um, so this was this. I, I have to say I did, I did quite enjoy this. I did find it quite good fun. I will probably watch more episodes. Yes, it is. It is a little bit. It's, it's a weird mix of being overly filmic in that at the beginning it was like we had so many sort of stock footage scenes and so much music and it was really sort of dolloping it on I thought you know we are in the 70s now yet aspects of the dialogue were quite stagey so it manages to be filmic and theatrical at the same time which is a, a bit of a weird mix but having said that I, I thought it was quite good fun I thought most of the acting was pretty good I very much enjoyed the chap that played Malcolm McLaren I think it's Thomas Brody Sangster I think his name is I can never get his his name in the right order, but um, I, I I I thought it was quite good. I thought it was quite fun. I mean, I you will probably have deeper thoughts as to its accuracy because you were there for a lot of this mm. stuff and I wasn't. But I I I thought it it had energy, which I quite enjoyed. I enjoyed the use of the the uh, the Italian job soundtrack to, to to describe Steve, you know, Steve's um habit of nicking stuff i thought it was quite the, the scenes describing his terrible family background oh, were quite were, were, were you know shocking but also good and it was nice to get this story from the perspective of somebody that isn't johnny rotten or sid vicious because they're always the people that we focus on aren't they and i thought it was quite quite fun to, to, to hear more about about steve's sort of role in 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 starting it I I mean that that some of it was it felt a little bit forced at times, but I really liked the fact it was telling the story from Steve's perspective. I thought that it was really quite fun in places, and yeah, I I think I will probably dip into this again. I mean, it, I I it I, it's not the greatest of this sort of thing I've ever seen. But having said that, I don't think I've seen some real sort of, you know, real derision pumped onto it in places. Mm. And I don't think it's deserving of that at all. I think it's quite good fun. I think the accuracy aspect doesn't really matter so much. I noticed in the introductory frames of Pistol, it stated that it was inspired by actual events. So I think if we we approach it as partly fictional, I'd say actually majority fictional largely fictional then it can it can be looked at as a bit of a romp rather than a historically accurate drama documentary which probably wouldn't have worked so well so I I did find it quite uh, amusing that from this first episode bearing in mind it is based on Steve Jones's uh, memoir I mean fair enough but surprise surprise we find Steve Jones painted as the leader of the band and as a heavily influential figure and anyone who knew Steve Jones in the late 70s would be surprised, I think, to hear him Mm. so articulate and with well-framed ideas for the future as depicted in Pistol. That's not quite the way I remember it, but it's early days (laughs) in in episode one. But yes, it's funny seeing, uh, you mentioned the caricature performances of those actors playing Vivian Westwood, Nick Kent and Chrissy Hind. But I, I, I so agree with you, rather wonderfully, the bloke playing Malcolm McLaren yes. gives this really over-the-top performance. He's got like this nasal whine that is more and Kenneth Williams. Yeah, than... it really works, I think. It's, it, it is. It Yes, it is. That it's cartoonish aspect, I think. And there are lots of criticisms of this being cartoonish. And it's like the Sex Pistols were, though. They, they were, were a, a cartoon. cartoon. That's a good, they that's really, a good way of really were. Them. 
Yes, they were. It, it, it you know, it reminded me of uh, at the time of um, you know the, the monkeys uh, more than anything else in the sense of a sort of unrealistic um, sort of band living together, a bit like the, uh, the the Beatles in Help, where they all go in through separate front doors and they all end mm, up in the, in the same yes. house um yeah. it, it, the, the sex pistols story was a bit like that it was a sort of cartoony um moment really but yes the the, the uh, nasal wine of the malcolm mclaren chapter is mm. like as i say it's reminding me of kenneth williams uh more than anarchy in the UK. but every time there's a portrayal of the so-called and you you, you mentioned you mentioned this um the short-lived punk era on film, unless there are sensible people involved in the production, it all seems to pile on inaccurate, so it doesn't really matter, but um, piles of rubbish in Leicester Square and the winter of discontent, which was actually 1979 when all of this anarchy and God Save the Queen was long over. And what also tends to be forgotten uh, and of course this helps the narrative to forget this is that it was a hugely unpopular Labour government that everyone was kicking Mm, out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of fun, candy floss, but not to be taken too seriously. No, I think that's probably right. But in terms of something fun to watch, oh, if you're interested in that kind of era and you want something that's not hugely demanding, but is but is quite you know energetic and done with brio, then yes, I would recommend this. I quite like the fact that it was, like you say, really well described, actually. It was a bit of a knockabout romp, and that was yes. fun, I thought. Yes. In the UK, Pistol is on Disney Plus, bizarre choice, but there we yes, are. Yes, I know how strange, but, but we are. We are maybe in a way that suits the cartoonish nature of it. I'm yes, not sure. So uh, it's on various other platforms around the world. Coming right up, we look back at our football predictions. <laughs> this is always a bloodbath, isn't it? And this year oh, is no exception. It, it, it. That's next after Charlotte Ashley.
do this every year. The sun comes out and I reach for the brilliant album that is Grey Wolf Fade by Charlotte Hadley. Um, just, I, I, this is such an underrated album and I do an album listening sort of club with my friend that was born out of the Tim Burgess album listens that was that were in the early lockdowns. And we all, this season, because we've been doing this for more than a year, we pick one to listen to each week on a Sunday evening. And this year, uh, we're doing an A to Z, basically. And we re- we have to pick one album each by an artist beginning with the letter for that week. Mm. Uh, but we did a, a year previously, so you can't pick somebody you've picked the previous season, basically. Mm. The other person can, but you can't pick your own artists again. And somehow we'd never got to this album by Charlotte Hadley, so I chose it this week. And everybody I've introduced this album to really likes it really loves the kind of power pop aspects of it and i just i love the sort of power pop meets status quo kind of boogie of that i think it's so it's so fun and the the opening line summer is coming and i hope i feel better by the time it comes all of us that have dealt with grot and our health systems in the last few weeks probably mm. feel the same way about that so i love that that was summer by charlotte hadley extraordinary uh, extraordinarily talented woman fantastic mm. guitarist as well yes she seems to play with with everybody i'm i'm a little bit stressed by your um a to z um right thing. what's stressing uh, you about it well do you, are you picking the, them by the C for charlotte no h, h for hadley it's hadley charlotte in so the same way surname. that it has Yes. Okay. So what happens if someone picks Captain Beefheart? Is it C or B? Oh, you see, now thankfully nobody has. Partly because I don't think anybody wants to listen to Captain Beefheart on a Sunday well, evening. Paul when they're McCartney and them. Wings. Do you pick under M for McCartney or W for Wings? It's so would, stressful. It is stressful. I mean, you do get stressed about things like this, but yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, so far we've managed to pick bands. Or um, or we've managed to pick um, surname, comma, first name. So I don't know. We, my, uh, you should join these because the, my, my Ed, my co-pilot on this, is also a panicker. We were on H and he texted me the other night to ask what I wanted to do about Q. So I very much like the fact that you're all, Exactly. You're all and I mean, you can't pick advanced. Queen, obviously. That would be... Well, you know, I mean, out, I would be anti that. I mean, he, he was talking about, about Q-tip or Queen to the Stone Age. Um, yes. Personally, I'm feeling in a quick space or quintessence type space so so yes, or even yes. even ni- lost 90s person finlay so i think there are always options that you can think about on these things um i would let you know i mean my too ultimate many options I'm, I'm i'm very distressed by this i think the most distressing so i did an a to z on on my long lost show indie wonderland once mm. and had to grab Apple with what do you do with Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros? Exactly. That, I mean, that, that, that would just make my head explode. And, 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 and in which case, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Each year, it's become a bit of a thing that we humiliate ourselves. Uh, <laughs> yes, the ritual. Yeah. With our incredible inability to predict the outcome. <laughs> yes. That, teams in the upcoming football season and annually we we proffer our predictions just before the season starts only to have to look back in horror and wonder how on earth we came up with such ludicrous ideas um we split our predictions into five categories the first of which for season 21 22 was which team would win the championship now if mm. i tell you that juliet's team came 11th and mine <laughs> yeah that wasn't our finest hour you can see our tipping skills leave a little bit to be desired. Um, you pick QPR, I picked West Brom, and eventually Jules Fulham romped home. Yes, they did. And can I just say, in my defence, yes, it was a sentimental prediction because mm. I happened to pick QPR. Having said that, we were really good for the front part of the season. It and then all you went really wrong. Weren't. It all went wrong in March for us. Yes. Um, uh, March and April, we we in the spring. Um, we we lost five or six in a row, I think, and really managed to collapse. And that is so frustrating. And our manager has not had his contract renewed. So um, so what a shame because we were doing it. I was riding high, and I knew that we probably wouldn't win the championship fairly early on. But we were in with a great shout of the of the playoff places for a very long time until we very suddenly weren't. Our second category was far more successful. Well, for, for Juliet, not for me. I foolishly said either Arteta at Arsenal or Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace would be the first for the boot. Hopeless predictions. But you rather <laughs> splendidly were spot on by selecting Mr. Zisco Munoz at Watford, Jules. 
Yes, I just there was something about it that I just felt might not go very well. And I mean, in a way, I feel bad to have predicted. I, I think I've done this right before and I always you feel have. a bit bad predicting people to lose their jobs. But um, yes, he, he went in the October, so he really was not around for very long. If you count, incidentally, if you count interim or caretaker managers, there were 13 changes of manager in the Premier League. Wow, what, that's a what, lot. It is. And Watford, who we just mentioned, managed to sack two managers, uh, Zisco and dear old Claudio Ranieri. Yes. Only lasted from October to January. Wow. <laughs> but I suppose the biggest surprise was uh, Sean Dyche at Burnley, who seemed to yes. be bedded in for life at Turf. Yes, and, and again, <clears throat> it, it, that was like a car... Well, we'll go on to talk about the relegation we places. Will, yeah. But yes, but that was a little bit like a car crash in slow motion, really. That was that was very strange. We each pick a team who we think will overperform, a surprise side, if you like. I picked <laughs> Brentford, who started well and managed a creditable 13th place. Yes. I think it's fair to say that West Ham were probably um, yes, the winners of that category, in a way, qualifying for Europe in seventh place. I guess your selection of Leeds United finally finishing 17th was its own <laughs> form of a surprise, George. Uh, yes, it was. I Yeah, I, I I thought they might do more than they yeah. did, actually. And they were a real disappointment, I think. When we each selected our teams to be relegated, we, we didn't confer at all. We never do no, about this. No, we but don't. But we both picked exactly the same teams, Crystal Palace, Watford and Norwich. So two out of three isn't bad, but Vieira did a great job with Palace. Mm, and I, yeah, very and as, much yeah, so. As we mentioned, I suppose Burnley, who, who consistently overperformed in previous years, their, their luck just ran out in the well, end. Well, it caught up with them. And all of these teams like... The slightly smaller teams like Burnley and, of course, our own Brighton down here on the south coast, who also were a bit of a surprise side, I think. They they did much better than I think people might have predicted. Or, or you know, Crystal Palace even. They are all living on borrowed time to some extent because ultimately they don't have the financial firepower that the big teams do. No, that's, that's broadly it, isn't it? It always comes down to that in the end because... Um, if one of the top six sides ever finds themselves um, dangling dangerously near relegation at Christmas, they just splurge and just the buy your way out of it. Buy their way Absolutely. out, yeah. Um, our, our predictions for the top four. I mean, Juliet again did much better. Juliet said going from four to one, uh, Leicester, Chelsea. Man U and Man City at the top, which is very well done. I picked from four to one. Oh God, I'm embarrassed about this. I picked from four to one, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City. And what the hell was I thinking? Man United, I said, to win well, the Well, I mean, you've got three out of the four. You've got three oh, out of the four so. teams right in the wrong order. Manchester United, I mean, again, speaking of underperformance and sacking of managers, mm. they, again, it's one wonders what is happening at Manchester United and what, what you know, what, where, whether or not they can ever get back to the, the heights that they were. But then people said the same thing about Liverpool in the 90s, didn't mm. they? So, so all oh, it's all cyclical, isn't it? Cyclical. Really? That's exactly yeah. the word I was going to use. All these things kind of kind of move around, really. And isn't it funny how I thought Leicester would do a Leicester, but now they're surrounded by teams like West Ham and Brentford and Brighton, mm. who are also doing a Leicester exactly, on day. Yes. So, although, although, of course, uh, Leicester's Jamie Vardy performing an important part of one particular news story this year. But... Um, but yeah, it was it was it's been a strange old season, really, hasn't it? I mean, it was a very exciting finish again with Liverpool and Man City and Liverpool's exploits this season have been have been something else. I, and I, I, I've i got friends who so you support Chelsea and my friend at work, Carol, sports Liverpool. So I end up following your team through <laughs> kind of, you know, like other people's favourite records always oh. become my favourite records because I just mm. take on everybody else's sort of interests and, and passions. But it's it's I mean, the money aspect of the Premier League is I just I know it's always been there, but it just really depresses me now. What we've just been saying about the idea that, oh, you know, other teams are never going to be able to keep up. It feels like there's a two tier system. The fallout from the Super League nonsense um it just it, it continues to leave that bad taste, doesn't it, really? Because it opened the can of worms that we all knew it was, which was it is a two-tier system within one league, isn't it, really? And and the yes. problem with, with that happening was that made that more obvious and it's difficult to put that put that back, isn't it, really? We um I had lunch with my niece yesterday and she was we, we were just talking about Romelu Lukaku. And oh, yes. I thought she made the interesting point. She was just 
you know, talking about whether he'd be transferred or not. And um, she, she noted from the paper that his salary at Chelsea is £350,000 <laughs> a week. And as she put it, he could, buy, he, he could buy a house every week for the for wow. the, rest of the next five years he's a five-year contract so you know every year he could buy an entire street in the which southeast is, of england which it's is just such ludicrous. a great it's such a great way of putting it it does put it in a ridiculous realize. perspective doesn't it yeah, yeah it does and, and, and the other thing that's always used as well is is how many nurses salaries would that pay so, you know it's so, it's pretty insane it's out of all proportion um some quick stats 380 mm. games played in the premier mm. league with an average of 2.82 goals per game which i thought was uh, more than i expected yes um, Highest attendance, 73,000 watch Manchester United v Chelsea. Lowest mm. attendance, 16,000 watch Brentford v Arsenal. And oh, you can understand. tiny, isn't it? Who, who would want to go really and watch small. Arsenal, though? I mean, to be fair. <laughs> um, that is that, but, it, but again, that goes to show the, the, the sort of the disparity, doesn't it? It reminds me of the old grounds, like when Southampton still played at the Dell and, yes. and Liverpool was still, uh, sorry, Wimbledon was still, was still playing, that you yes. get those kind of tiny small grades. And you feel stadiums. like saying, yeah, and, and those clubs are never, ever going to be able to compete, are they? No. Just simply because they don't get as many people through the through the doors and onto seats because there aren't the seats. I wondered, and I don't know the answer to this, but when I saw the Brentford Stadium is not far away from me. And every time I go to Chelsea mm. on the M4, I drive past the, well, we, we drive past the uh, Brent, new Brentford Stadium. And it's so hemmed in by mm. skyscrapers and railway lines. I just wonder, um, as Reading did, I know that Reading, when they re, uh, when they moved, they had some sort of deal with the local authority that if they had a sustained run in the Premier League, they were able to add further levels, tiers. Oh, interesting. Like, mm. And I wonder whether Brentford did that, because with that such a tiny ground, are they preparing for a future that won't be in the Premier League? Mm. Or have they got some sort of similar deal that if they do manage to sustain themselves that they can add further layers because on a whatever it is 20 25000 seater stadium i don't know you just can't as you say maintain a premier league status no, with that sort no, of not really stadium. top goal scorers mohamed salah and son son young min 23 yeah. goals each now quick quiz for you jules you didn't know oh, this God. was coming oh, i know right. i'm so sorry okay. you're not let's go on <laughs> <laughs> which club accrued the most yellow cards in the Premier League last season? Wow. Well, I'll go with a very old school answer and say Leeds. Correct. Hey, dirty, dirty Leeds. You know, sticking with the brand as always. 101 yellow cards. That's That's three a game. Um, Which, I'm not sure you'll get this one. I certainly wouldn't have done. Which club got the most red cards? Well, I mean, the logic would then suggest Leeds, wouldn't it? But it's I suspect not that's not that going to be away. the answer. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this might be one of the bigger clubs unexpectedly. Let's go for... Let's go for Arsenal. Everton with six. Oh, well, I mean, to be fair, Everton were not having a good time for much no. of the season, were they really? And again, they them staying up was, I think, a surprise because they seemed totally down They, at were, they seemed point. in spiral, didn't they? Yeah. And I think if we do this uh, for next season, I'll be very tempted when we say first manager to be sacked. Yeah. Re- with great regret, I may say Super Frank because... I mean, if, so, uh, Super Frank does seem to stabilise things a little yes. bit, but I'm not sure how, how no. long he's going to go past that stage, really. And I also love Frank, so, yes. so I feel sad. Finally, then, final quiz question for oh, you. Go on. Which manager... And you really need to rack your brains back for this. Which manager won manager of the month in the Premier League in August and was sacked on the 1st of November? Not Watford. So which manager Uh, won manager of the month in August and was sacked on the 1st of November? I'm I, I can't remember his name, but is it the bloke? Is it someone that was managing Leeds? No, it was the Spurs. Nuno Espiritu Santo at Spurs. Wow. Yes, I'd forgotten all about him being there, to be honest yes, with that, you. I wouldn't so have would got I. that at all. But no, right, Bielsa it's... lasted a bit longer, I think, uh, at least. But no, yeah. Nuno Espirito Santo at Spurs. One manager of the month in August, sacked, what, September, October, eight weeks later. Amazing. That is, that is, um, that's something else, isn't it, really? Coming next, 
when you feel it's time to stop going to the theater and to gigs mm. now we we probably all know about how there was an attempt to reinvent Dusty Springfield by sending her to America to record the Dusty in Memphis album. And That's I would say that was a very successful attempt, given that very Dusty in so. Memphis still sells by the shed load. It does, and it's a good album. Not so well known, perhaps. Um, a similar route taken by Lulu a year after Dusty Mm. um, Lulu's record company thought okay that's worked well we'll try and do the same and they sent Lulu to Alabama and recorded at the Muscle Shoals sound studio and from that album New Roots here is a wonderful track Lulu and Oh Me Oh My To make you laugh, I'd play the fool for you Although the people turn and stare I'd give my everything to keep you, boy Oh, it breaks my heart when you're not there I'll stage a ballet on a tabletop Command performance, finger size Though I ain't got no tune My show won't flop Cause I'll find the music in your eyes Oh me, oh my I'm a fool for you, baby We'll blow a genie from a cigarette We'll take a magic carpet ride We'll tell our smoky friend now don't forget You must keep us side by side Oh me, oh my, I'm a fool for you baby Now, if you really like that, and who wouldn't, um, don't be tempted to go and order the album because maybe preview it first on Spotify. And I say that because I think there are two great tracks on the album, that one and a fantastic cover of Mm. Dave Mason's Feeling All Right. But I'll explain, Mm. in my opinion, why I would say it it was... uh, well, it's a failed experiment, I think, other than those two tracks. Uh, those two tracks at the time, Lulu was engaged to Morris Gibb of the Beach. Oh yes, of course, yes. And I'm afraid there's an overwhelming sense of BG influence, but sort of oh, tracks we're not using ourselves here. Give them to Lulu on several of the, of the tracks in the album. It's an opportunity missed. Um, because it feels a little bit like a Bee Gees album with Lulu on the top of it, apart from the tracks, I'm afraid to say, where they don't appear. So the couple of belters are really outstanding, but um, Mm. don't expect the rest of the album to be... It's an interesting album to listen to, actually, as a sort of musical social document of Lulu and the Bee Gees' careers at that point. But released in January 1970, the album made number 88 in the States, nothing over here. Uh, New Roots is the album, but as a single in 1960, that track was 47 in the UK, 22 on Billboard. Lulu and Oh Me Oh My, I'm a Fool for You Baby. 
Well, that's interesting to hear about that because I'm familiar with a lot of Lulu's singles, but not necessarily her albums. I think she's incredibly underrated as an artist and Feeling All Right is an absolute belter. I love Mm. that. That was excellent as well. Yes, I feel that she's often caricatured down to the well at the beginning of Shout, but it's not. We don't hear much else about her. And I think she's done some amazing records that really pop out of the of the radio i heard this boat that i row recently oh, yes. and it uh, on on classic gold i think when i was mm, looking in a junk track. shop somewhere mm. and whatever the not classic gold and um, whatever that that is yeah. that is, it might be called i can't remember well, anyway, the greatest that's, hits radio that's very yes. at the moment oh um, yes it, oh, um, it used to be Capital Gold, I think. Oh, um, okay. Is it something else now? It might be Capital Gold, I don't know. But it was one of those those stations where they can never seem to get a good signal for them where I live here. So so it was kind of fizzing, and it was quite ironic, really, that uh, th- through the choppy waters of this uh, of this funny little sort of radio that you could barely hear that sort of sailed through like an like an absolute sort of enormous. Beautiful beautiful ship it's uh, i think she's so good lulu and i'm sorry that that album didn't take off in the way that it perhaps ought to have done i'm sorry it wasn't better because because she's an underutilized talent and is underrated i think she was she's often been ill-advised about material mm, during her career yes. because you know, we, we both agreed that oh me oh my there's fantastic song Brilliant. beautifully performed but it was the follow-up to boom bang a bang bang yes and so you have the sort of candy floss pop of Eurovision there and then immediately they try and say oh no no she's a serious artist and look she's got a great soulful voice which she does oh absolutely difficult to run the two careers simultaneously I feel absolutely although having said that I was pleased to her that she got her renaissance um on relight my fire by take that I'm Uh, I'm, it was superb as well always worth a cameo i think and she's still terribly young you know she's she's only in her early 70s i think lulu because exactly. um, you know i think she was only about was she about 14 when she did shout i think yeah she was and that was part of the sort of the uh the sort of the, the novelty of it wasn't it yeah. really and i think that shout is dangerously close to being a novelty record for many reasons and maybe yeah. maybe that wasn't helpful for her at the start of her no career. maybe not on uh, Monday of this week, we were very pleased to be invited to the Lyric Theatre to celebrate the life of Barry Cryer, along with a, a roster of star names who were mm. there and performed Eddie Izzard, Milton Jones, Giles Brandreth, Harry Hill. When we came out of the theatre, my partner turned to me and she said, I don't think I want to do this again. And mm. far from being shocked, you think I might have said, oh, my goodness, you know, what's the matter? You know, what, what, what what's happened? But I... I she echoed my own thoughts, and I'll explain why. It was nothing to do Go with on. the show, which mm. uh, was a fabulous tribute to Barry Barry Cryer. It's all to do with the state of London theatres, the the way the audience is treated, and the mm. way people behave. F- first of all, due to some ineptness, there was a lengthy queue up Shaftesbury Avenue just to mm. get your ticket scanned. This was 45 minutes before curtain up. It wasn't we turned up at the last minute. No, we exactly. Get a drink. That's so, so we said, OK, we'll yeah. get there early. Then the cost of drinks. Wait for this. Ludicrous mm. prices for a glass of ordinary wine. One glass, the best part of 20 quid. That's mad. Absolutely. And then these Victorian theatres, the theatre says it has on its website, doesn't say it's got air conditioning. It says we've got a comfort cooling system, which Mm. I suspect means opening a few doors and windows. We have never been more uncomfortable in a theatre in our lives. All around us, people were trying to fan themselves, drink copious bottles of water. The the, The seats, as I say, were designed for Victorian era people who were considerably smaller than us i'm i'm about mm. five foot ten and a bit maybe with 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 shoes on maybe you know towards six foot i had to stretch my legs out in the aisle my partner's five foot four and she had to almost double up in her seat and um, but wow. then there's audience behavior i thought this was very indicative it, it, the lyric is normally the home to the bob marley musical get up stand up and oh, there are right. signs okay 
everywhere throughout the theatre, telling audience members to stay in their seats, not get up and dance and sing along. So not to get up or stand up then. Oh, very good indeed. And and Usher said to me, that was was a cracker. Um, (laughs) And Usher said to me, this is a terrible problem now. She said she worked at various London theatres. She said it's Mm. all the musicals, all those, uh, and there's endless numbers of musicals in London. London. People are so self-centred now and entitled. They don't care about anybody else. They'll enjoy themselves and that's all that matters. They'll stand up in the uh, 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 seats, sing along, dance along, dance in the aisles when other people, the majority, are just there to enjoy the show. So I'm with my partner. I'm saying, what's the point in going anymore, Jules? Where's the fun in any of this? Well, and it's it's a difficult one. Musicals particularly, isn't it? So so I haven't seen it yet, but I've been very fond of the soundtrack to the musical Six, which oh, is yes. uh, one of the yeah. big hits, I think, of the last few yeah. years um, for people that aren't familiar with it. It's the sort of musical musical version of a retelling of the Six Wives of Henry VIII mm. in the style of a pop concert. And it, I, I would recommend that people... I haven't seen it, but if the show is anywhere as good as the soundtrack, I would recommend people go and see it it but they I think that they they have managed and I think some musicals have realized that there is that people do want to sing along sometimes so they have special um special showings of it that they call the sing-along version and the idea idea. is is that you that this is the one where you can just go and sing along and the whole point of six is that it's staged slightly like a gig anyway and that that i can understand why that confuses people given that the whole thing is presented in the style of a gig where each of the wives does their kind of tune and it is much much more of a sort of a pop concert style staging, which is such a great and witty idea. I can see why that in that context might confuse people slightly. But no, I think the sing-along thing is a great idea. And I think that, and we've, we've talked about this, I think fairly recently as well, but it's worth revisiting the idea that, um, People, we haven't done this for so long, Terence, and I think that mm. that people are people are relearning those behaviours. I know that some stand-up com- comedy people have come out, particularly, and said how stressful it is. Beverly Knight actually had a a go whilst on a, on a, in musical. A, 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 I think she's in the Drifters Girl in in the West End, and she ended up remonstrating with somebody in the crowd whilst on stage, saying, "Look, you've come here to see me do this. Yes. Watch me do this, or don't stay here," which is more than reasonable musicals i think particularly find themselves in a very strange place at the moment the i mean the the saga over cinderella and andrew lloyd webber's not great behavior over shutting the show insisting on plowing on through in through covid you know even though it might have been more sensible not to um insisting plowing on and then realizing that might have been a mistake because guess what no one wants to go if they think they might catch covid and and then relieving the cast of their jobs without actually telling them and just posting on social media and then having the gall to appear at the Queen's Jubilee concert as the voice (laughs) of musicals. I was so cross about that. Um, And then pleasingly did not attend the closing show, sent a statement for someone to read out and was then booed apparently by the, by the theater. Well done musical fans, frankly, it's a tricky one. I've been to, I haven't been to the theater since, since this all happened. I've been to the cinema and went purposefully in the middle of an afternoon where there were only 11 of us there all sat separately. And that seemed to pass off pretty peacefully. And, and I have been to music concerts Actually, the concerts I've been to have been pretty well behaved by and large. And there's been a sense of euphoria about how people can be back doing this again. Maybe that's because you can dance and sing at a gig. Maybe musicals find themselves and and the theatre find themselves in this strange hinterland where you're too penned in for what we've been like over the last two years. I don't know. Mm. I can see on the price point. I mean, that is pretty shocking. I do see your point. Having said that, though, maybe we're in this weird space where hospitality in general and particularly theatres have been battered for the last couple of years. Largely through, although I've just been cross about Andrew Lloyd Webber, largely through Mm. no fault of their own. The stop, start, stop, start nature of the last couple of years and support the financial support not always or sometimes being very slow to join that i can completely understand how demoralizing it has been for these places over the last couple of years how difficult it's been but i wonder if and this is not an excuse because i think that is shocking if that is how much that is for a glass of Mm. wine Mm. but 
you know, they're running to standstill and they're trying to catch up, aren't they? And maybe, you know, we, we will end up paying more because of the last couple of years because because somehow these places need to be viable don't they having said that though I'm not paying 20 quid for a glass of wine so so it's 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 frustrating isn't it really it's it's you know you feel like saying to theatres as well look you need to welcome people back you know and this is like it's the same thing as the airlines as well we've all known for the last few months that you know whether or not you agree with what the policy is we're apparently proceeding again that seems to be how we're all being told to live i don't know why places have been so unprepared for this um although having yeah. said that they're then dealing with these lower paid roles people not wanting to do those anymore and then that brings us back to brexit and so there's like a number of social factors i don't think any of this has necessarily been caused by covid covid has just hastened a lot of these developing trends already and it's almost impossible to know how this is going to be unpicked just before we go though i want to broaden this out just a little well, bit go i want on, to yeah. know what you, whether what, how you feel about this because you know you're younger you may feel differently and by <laughs> the way the theory that lockdown has made everything even more terrible i totally agree people spend so <laughs> long at home They've, uh, as well as all the fa- factors you've named, but I think that people spent so long at home, they've forgotten there's a different set of behaviour when out yes. with, with others. Oh, absolutely. Um, because, I mean, we, we talked about this on the drive home and subsequently, and we decided perhaps theatre going isn't for us anymore. Then, uh, sadly, you know, I'm, we're, I'm over 60. Going to mm. gigs is even worse. Yes. Almost at any seated concert now, a huge number of people stand up for the whole yes. gig meaning anyone small in stature anyone older like me uh, anyone with a disability <laughs> has a terrible time because you either sit looking at someone's buttocks Back, yeah or you're forced to stand for two or three hours and it's no longer a small minority it's an increasingly large and, that's, and that shows poor quality stewarding as well i think and poor very quality, much so. poor but you quality need, policing of this yeah, but you, you need, need a huge amount huge of stewards of, yeah but also i think there is discrimination uh, from the promoters because I know I've mentioned this before but this is a sort of update the big gigs in Hyde Park there's no option for seating meaning this summer and I think this is really relevant for the gig I'm going to mention oh, if for example you want to go and see the Rolling Stones in Hyde mm. Park this summer just coming up and so you want to see the support acts why not you'll be on your feet for about eight hours wow that's a long time how that many rolling stones time. fans in their 60s and above can yes. cope with that i, I could probably not many I would, and by no. the way while we're talking about costs 95 pounds is the cheapest ticket wow for, to stand for eight hours children over the age of two i noticed must have their own ticket so, oh, for goodness sake. Exactly. Oh, v- I mean, that, yeah. um, by the way, VIP ticket, 434 quid, but you still have to stand up. There's no oh, seating for your what, VIP what ticket. Is, well, what, what, what is it about that possibly that makes it VIP? I don't uh, Exactly. And so, as I say, behaviour just gets worse. People behave appallingly, drink too much, shout and yell throughout the whole thing. If it rains, it's going to be like hell on earth. And you have to stand <laughs> up for eight hours for, for the duration. Uh, we're just not going to go anymore, Jules. Well, and I am really, really sorry that it's come back to come to that for the two of you. I mean, I have to say, even as a younger person, mm. and those, um, unfortunately, those commas are becoming increasingly inverted, Terence. But as a as a younger person, <laughs> I am, um, you know, as a younger person approaching a midlife crisis, but still nominally young. Um, even the, even the thought of standing up for eight hours, I'm not sure I want to do that, yeah. you know, and I'm meant to be young and, you know, able to do that sort of thing. I'm not sure if I want to do outdoor gigs very much. I have very much enjoyed some of the indoor gigs that I have been to. Not that I've been to many post lockdown, but I I loved seeing Goldfrat that we spoke about previously. Mm. And again, the, the audience of that were really well behaved to the point where the audience was almost silent for the first half an hour because it was such a wonderful performance. So, so I think I am probably going to be not as, not as, you know, I, I don't think I'll retire with you, with you and your partner, <laughs> but, I, but I think that I will be more selective about what I go to see just simply because yeah, for all of the reasons that we've, we've rehearsed really. I mean, I'm, I'm better, I think, at tuning out other people's rubbish behaviour. I've always been quite good at this. I, I just try not to get too 
stressed about it because otherwise that ruins my enjoyment of the gig more i think really so i i try and tune some of it out or move and stuff and yeah it's 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 repugnant some people's behavior but i just try and i just try and find a way to to enjoy the gig really that's that's what i try and do but yeah i wouldn't be paying 95 hours and 95 pounds to stand up for 95 hours to watch the rolling (laughs) stones it's 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 and also, having seen their Glastonbury performance a few years ago, I think I put on Facebook at the time, sum that up in a sentence, thank goodness I didn't spend £200 to stand in a muddy field pretending that I was enjoying this. Mm. So, so you know, we'll, we I, I wish them well. But And, and I get for some, because I've never seen them, and I get for some people they're very much a bucket list band, I guess, and I totally get that. And, you know, looking at their set list recently, so many i mean just they've just got a laura laura songs haven't they so many tunes and and you know i can imagine that seeing them would be very fun but having said that it feels and also when you dig into it it just feels so cynical doesn't it really they know the promoters know that they're a bucket list band for a lot of people don't they and they know in the same way that that you know that 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 I went to Abbey Road last year, that people can charge a premium because they know that this is this is something. But to compare ninety five pounds to see the Rolling Stones, a one off gig, so it's so it's not particularly unique. You're seeing a gig, aren't you? I mean, oh, it, yes. but you've only got yeah. that experience once. Ninety five pounds. It cost me a hundred pounds to see Abbey Road Studios. And I know I, I did I feel was, that was overpriced and, at the time. I understand. Well, I would have paid it, but. Having said that, I don't feel that's over. But but I'm what the point I suppose that's interesting. The point I'm making is, I've seen something for that hundred quid. Yeah, you feel you've got value for money. Yeah, that that I don't think they're going to do again. It's a unique experience. Yeah, it's a unique experience and. You know, the Rolling Stones are going to tour, aren't they? They're going to yeah. play lots of places. And for me, I think that that if you're trying to price something like a once in a lifetime experience, it should be a once in a lifetime experience. I take your point. And I suspect that Abbey Road and I can see why they why they put the price on Abbey Road, because they didn't. You know, it's 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 Which almost keep the Hoi Poloi out. Yeah, it's almost a museum, isn't it, really? And that is and 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 again, yeah. that was very cleverly done. And that was a similar logic to the um to the sing alonger musical performances where people realise that there's gonna be this sort of thing that people want to do. So you just find a way of accommodating it, like they have done with me. They had a little room where you could play on instruments that that were that you could play on some of the instruments in Studio Three. And that was a similar logic to the sing along a six uh <laughs> um I don't know they call it that they should sing along a six performance in that they realised that people would want to touch certain things. So you just have some things that you can touch. And then that way, that then you then can say, well, you can't touch other things. The, the thing is, though, if you're going to have those sing-along performances uh, at six and wherever, which is a yeah. great idea, then you have to somehow find a way of encouraging people not to do yes, that at the regular performance. Yes, you've got to back that up with, with regular stewarding, absolutely. So, so and, and, and it works here at Abbey Road because you could play, so I played on the piano that they played mm. on Yellow Submarine, but then, which somehow, not that I would have minded anyway, but if you were the sort of person that minds about not being able to touch things, once you've done that, in the first room that you go into, which I thought was really clever, it then matters less that everything's behind a rope in Studio mm. 2 because you've done something already, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. So, so, so there are, and you know, I bet they employed some sort of, you know, that's behavioural psychology, isn't it? When you, when you dig down into it. So, so yes, theatres, I think, and, and shows are going to have to engage with the new reality of how yeah. people are for now and find find ways around it. And I agree with you, there should be more stewarding. But then to go back to things we've talked about, where do you get the stewards from? Where do you, and, the, and you've got to pay them and that yes. you, you would need so many. And what do you do if people don't comply? You can't yes, have exactly. stewards wrestling people out of their seats. Well, and it, be, and it becomes like football matches, doesn't it? Well, stewarding of football matches. It's the same, Jules. I go to Chelsea a lot and luckily I'm often uh, in hospitality, but you you see people, you know, increasingly now um, in these non-standing areas, standing up. And again, the point being, if you've got taken a child with you, they simply won't see the game. If you're Mm, a small person, you've got a disability or you're, you know, you're just not able, whether through age or whatever, to stand for 90 minutes plus. You know, it's like, well, stuff you, you know, I I want to stand up. So blow you, Jack. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, yeah, it is a real picture. Behave now. 
thanks very much for listening this week and enduring my theatre and gig going angst. Thank you for uh, bearing with <laughs> me. I mean, I do feel that you should be paying us all for our time after that. But, yeah, uh, so but no, it's it's lovely to be should, back. Thank you for having us. I should have been lying down on a, on a couch yeah, while it, I get it, Exactly. And although having said that, you did try to therapise me earlier on by telling me how stressed you were about... Um, oh, your A to Z. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I feel that we've both learned a lot through this. <laughs> But, of course, there's no need to stand up for the duration of your mm. radio show, Jules, though some may do so sort of out of a form of respect, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we play the National Anthem <laughs> performed by Steenie Dan on, uh, on on Smooth Sailing. Yes, I do my show seated. People will be pleased to know. Smooth Sailing, Noisebox Radio, 7 to 9 p.m. live on Sunday evenings. Or if you go on to Mixcloud's Noisebox Radio, have a channel where you can listen to all of the old shows from the station, including mine. Um it's it's very and you want to sit down or possibly even lay down during the show because it is a wind down at the end of the week yacht rock mor aor easy listening classic pop all that kind of just uplifting relaxing yet uplifting tunes that's what we go for so it is very much a sit or laying back experience to close an unusual version of a very well-known track by an equally well-known band Indeed, yes, all oh, very good training. I like that. I, I I love the concept of a band covering their own songs. I think that is real fun in a very different way, as you rightly say. This was used for a beer ad some years ago, and I was and, and there was footage of the band performing this. And again, I believe they may have been sitting and laying down in a very relaxed manner to befit the the manner and style of this track. Um, to advertise a French lager, this is Le Grand Pantalon, a.k.a. Baggy Trousers by Madness. Naughty boys in nasty schools Headmasters breaking all the rules Having fun and playing fools Smashing up the woodwork tools All the teachers in the pub Passing round the ready rub Trying not to think of when The lunchtime bell will ring again at school was how to bend not break the have gone away where have all the children gone gone to fight with next door school every time that's the rule he sits alone and he bends his cane the same old backsides again all the small ones tell tall tales walking home and squashing snails
Listening to a Parish Council production.